and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. And I'm Chris. And Kitty's not here, because she's sick, but not COVID, so it's all good. But anyway, this week we're going to talk about game balance. From co-op difficulty to player dueling games, I've been playing a lot of Runeterra lately, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit, to asymmetric games in general. How balance affects these games and how balanced should these games actually be, because people seem to really like this balance. Um, but first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. You can find them at thegiftofgames.com. And a welcome to Lightning Steve, our newest patron. Like, literally within the last 10 minutes, the email popped up and said, hey, Steve's a new patron. And I said, that's awesome, as I was talking to him. So he's in our live audience. If you want to be in our live audience, you can by going to tabletopgametalk.com slash live 830s on 830s. That's a plural, right? <laughs> 830s. 830s. Yeah. 830s on Monday. Um, Central time. Just a singular Monday, but all of the 830s. Uh, yeah. So join us because it's fun. Um, let's see. Fletcher, what have you been up to? It's Super Bowl weekend. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did not watch the Super Bowl. I did not watch one second of the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know why? Because I don't care. <laughs> I watched the Super Bowl because it was an excuse to go over to Kitty and Spencer's, and I haven't seen them in, I don't know, maybe two and a half, three months in person. Um, but I think I gave her a headache on the way out, so that's why she's not here. But... uh <laughs> Yeah, I drank a couple beers, I ate some chips, I had some barbecue ribs, it was not a Weight Watcher friendly night, so the rest of the week I have to, um, yeah, make up for all of that. But that's okay, it'll be all fine. How was, how was the, how was the Super Bowl? I read some stuff about it, uh, this morning, and it seems like it wasn't super... It wasn't super. No. So, the... It, it was just I mean, a bowl. It was a, uh, it was more like a salad bowl. Yes. <laughs> If you were rooting for one side or the other, then you either really had a good night or really didn't. But if you were just looking for a good game, you didn't find it. Um, mostly, it was, well, it was completely one-sided. Tom Brady, you know, basically showed that, hey, I am the greatest quarterback I'm of all time. I'm still Tom Brady. Yep. Um, but it didn't make for an interesting game because by the fourth quarter, you're like, uh, nothing that happens matters. And the commercials weren't all that great either. So... <laughs> It was, everything's made up and the points don't matter yeah well well that's just everything i mean that's what i we talk about it's just a different Whose kind ball of is it anyway <laughs> but it was still fun to like just hang out and pretend like we were having a super bowl party even though there was literally four of us um let's see we have some housekeeping stuff to do and i don't really like calling this housekeeping but some shout outs uh first of all grant sent us um and not you fletcher because you don't have kids but he sent Player 3 and Zachary kites that he makes. They're like these little um, tube kites with um, meeples on them. And they're really super cool. I can't wait to fly them, except it's been negative 15 degrees outside. fly a kite. <laughs> yeah. To, I don't know. I might be copyright. Maybe, Maybe. I shouldn't sing that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I put the kite outside right now, it would just freeze into an ice cube immediately. Um, we, and fall. Yeah, it just thunk. We keep all our carbonated beverages in the garage in the wintertime, and we had two explode. So I'm like, okay, I have to bring these in now. So that, those will thaw out, I don't know, in spring, because right now it's just For too cold. For people who don't know, in Chicago, uh, it was like, well, this morning it was like two degrees, but I think it warmed up to 16. Yeah, it was negative 15 at some point, um, which in Celsius is really, really cold. Um, just doing the conversion for people, but, um, yeah, yeah it's below it zero in Celsius, <laughs> <laughs> way below zero, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So also Ann Reynolds, one of our patrons, she had a new job at, um, Catan negative 26 in Celsius. What is it? Negative 26 in Celsius. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. I think 26 positive in Celsius is like a, tropical day or something i don't know but anyway no and and congratulations um project manager at north or uh Catan studios north america so i'm i'm looking forward to free stuff and free stuff send it my way just <laughs> email me i'll give you my address it'll be all good um oh let's see i did talk about runeterra for a moment and i would like to say fletcher did i have i made you listen to me talk about runeterra yet no okay 
Um, do you know anything about this? I don't. Do you know anything about League of Legends? Oh, yeah. I used to play. All right. And throwing in Mechs versus Minions just to make it a board game story. So Riot Studios does all of this, and that's their universe. And Runeterra is their online digital... Online digital? I guess it has to be online or if it's digital. But anyway, it is... It's our online analog system. Yeah. <laughs> it is their card game for the League of Legends universe. And it's relatively new. I think it launched officially, um, you know, early-ish last year, maybe like um, May-ish. But it is really, really good. And we talked about Magic Arena the other week or two ago. And this one, I think, is way, way better. And the free-to-play, you can literally just play this game free and never pay for anything. And it just, it's super generous in how it gives you cards. And it's a lot of fun. So that... I, and one of the things I think is cool, and getting back to our balance thing, we'll talk about this a little bit more, is um, because it's a digital card game, they have a cadence for rebalancing all the cards, which also is cool. You know that you know on this day, because they do it like basically when ca- new card sets are released, we're going to rebalance some cards. So it's not a surprise if something's just overpowered, they're going to fix that. Um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about balance today. Um, the other part is... I'll get to that in a second. Um, Also, it should be noted that we have a 2021 giveaway. And if you want to enter our 2021 giveaway, and that is the giveaway that's going for all of 2021, it's me giving away a bunch of games that I didn't get to give away at last year's Gen Con. Um, All you got to do is email me, say, hey, I want to enter the 2021 giveaway, and you will be entered for the entire year. Um, The important rule that I'm going to reiterate right now is that you must get back to me within two weeks. Our winner last week which was Joe Hoover has not yet gotten back to me. So if I don't hear from him by the end of, by the next time we record, then there will be a new por- person drawn. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> you have until Monday, basically. Sunday night, we'll say. Um, but I will draw a new name and Joe will go back in. He will be eligible to win again later. But right now, it's possible that we're going to have a double drawing next week. So we'll see. We call it Valentine's Day, the 14th. Is, is, wait, is Valentine's Day on a weekend? Yes. Excellent. I don't really pay attention to that. I'm married. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, who cares? Exactly. I I sometimes, if I'm at the store and I'm like, oh, look, heart-shaped chocolates. Yeah. Okay, I'll pick that up. But this year, Cindy and I are both doing Weight <laughs> I Watchers. I was totally thinking of you. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Cindy and I are both doing Weight Watchers. So, if I was to bring her chocolate, it would literally just be torturing her. And I don't think that's a very nice thing to do on Valentine's Day. So uh, you could also do flowers, and also she listens to this podcast. So I know your cover is blown. It is. It is totally blown. Um, I'll just get her some strawberries and you know dust them with like fat flowers. Free chocolate a nice powder. card. Eh, that's a lot of work. Flowers. Oh my god, <laughs> you wouldn't want to do that for your wife or anything. Um, there's some questions about Runeterra in asking if it's like Hearthstone, and yes, it's like Hearthstone, but with a a younger. When, uh, it hasn't been around as long. So getting into Hearthstone right now is incredibly difficult because it's just been around forever. This is new. So you're kind of getting in on the ground floor. And from what I've heard from listening to podcasts who played Hearthstone and now play Runeterra, the meta is much better in Runeterra. Um, the whole goal that Riot is trying to do is making sure that every, I think they call them region, um, every region has a, a very competitive deck. So that they're trying to spread out the love and if they see something getting out of control and everyone's playing this or that or whatever, then they will just, you know, nerf that right away. But mostly they don't nerf. They just make other cards that aren't being played are better. So it's this kind of neat thing that they're doing to balance the cards, not just make everything weaker if it's too powerful. Why why do you say that it's really hard to get into Hearthstone? Um, Because Hearthstone's been out for, what, 10 years now? Yeah, maybe. But I I think, like, they only do... Like, only the last two years of cards are, like, legal play. Yeah, but the play in Hearthstone is... I mean, it was fine. Um, it When Blizzard started, like, locking out my account on a regular basis just because I wanted to play on two different platforms, I stopped playing it. But I never really was brought... Like, felt like Hearthstone was all that interesting. Runeterra just has so many more interesting decisions and deck construction that... I didn't get in Hearthstone, but again, I have not played Hearthstone for probably seven years. So I'm just talking like the first couple of years of Hearthstone that I played. But again, it's worth checking out because it's totally free. Um, and if you like League of, League, of, uh, League of Legends or that 
story or whatever, you'll recognize everything. The same thing with Hearthstone. You know, if you liked World of Warcraft, you'd recognize everything. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about balance. Fletcher, how balanced do you want your games to be? Um. So it's kind of like an interesting question. Like, I definitely want the game to be at least someone ba- at least somewhat balanced and it doesn't have to be uh i don't know like checkers kind of balanced if you know what i mean <laughs> but i do want it to be um something along the lines of there needs to be like you can have some asymmetry but it, so let I me ask a different know. question what is balance um and not and not the textbook thing but like when you when you're talking about balance you you just what you were saying right now you had a game in mind or games in mind. Like, what is balance in a particular game? Like a specific example of a game. It needs to be like as easy or as difficult for any for all players to ob- achieve the objective. Even if like in a game, what is it? Lord of the Rings. Yep. Uh, uh, it's a two player. That's War the of the Rings. game. Yeah. War of the Rings. Right. Um, it is asymmetrically balanced, but it's it's kind of like equal and opposite. In, in in a way from what i get from it yeah. um i've never actually played it but you could probably expand more on that so and i think that when you're looking at a two-player game um and so let's start there because i think that balance means a lot of things um i think that more often than not when i worry about a game being balanced i am worried about it in a competitive atmosphere so, like, dueling two-player games. Um, War of the Rings is a great example of a, of a dueling board game two players where they're incredibly asymmetric sides, even completely different wind goals. But are is each goal easy to achieve, or is as easy to achieve? And I will say in War of the Rings, we've never had the Fellowship win. So I don't know if that game is balanced or if one side is just harder to play than the other, which is another interesting way of balancing something it's like no no no. this is balanced it's just harder and i don't know i mean do you do you see that that as balanced balanced? right exactly do you see that as i don't think so so i would say that's not balanced if if one side is it's like oh yeah the game is balanced um i have a six-sided die and you have a coin (laughs) i don't know if that's balanced so what if it's one of those things where so balance can be in that particular case say i was playing the designer of the game um we'll just call it game head-to-head and i'm playing head-to-head against the designer and he's playing the hard side what he considers the hard side but he's able to beat me every single time but if i was to play anyone else who was playing the hard side they it's not intuitive it's not easy to pick up it's not easy to figure out how to win so you're going to lose the first dozen times you play the hard side but once you figure it out then it becomes a equal match Meanwhile, the easy side, basically anyone can be like, hey, yeah, just roll this six-sided die. It's no problem. Flipping this coin, it takes some skill. But once you figure out that skill, then you're evenly matched. Like, is that balanced? Or is that, like, I don't know what that is. I, I mean, I guess I would say that that is balanced. Like, if in that scenario that you just gave, like, if one side is harder to learn than the other one, but they are actually e- evenly matched then yeah, they are balanced. It's just the learning curve for one is steeper than the other. So I guess you could have like learning curve steepness for like different, uh, you know, characters or abilities or sides or something like that. Um, and then overall balance of the game, like are all, e- are, are all players evenly matched or have yep. like equal abilities? Darren mentions, yeah, Darren in chat mentions that there are different forms of balance. And I agree. I mean, that's basically what we're talking about here is yes, in, theory these are balanced for the experienced players but it may still be unbalanced for the new players and sometimes you see this in games where you might play and the perception is oh man that player power is just so overpowered compared to the rest of these player powers that how is anyone supposed to win against that and there's i'm not going to name any names but mostly because they're not popping into my head right now, but there's one that I'm picturing in my head. Um, (laughs) But it's easy as a new player to see something and say, this is unbalanced. And then you'll have a whole lot of discussions like, well, you're not the designer. The designer must have tested this thousands of times. Yeah. It's like, you can't have that, you know, opinion after your first play. And I would disagree. I think you can have that opinion after your first play. Anyone can have an opinion. Um, It may not be (laughs) as good opinion. Yeah, it may not be as informed as it could be, 
Um, but also, and I think Tom Vassell's like, this is something he says over and over. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's balanced after the 10th play. If it's not balanced on the first or second play, it's still not balanced because most people aren't playing the same game over and over and over because there's so many things to do and play. So you have to really make it a lifestyle game. And if you have to make it a lifestyle game to make it balanced, then it's pro- it's not balanced. And I can see both uh, I mean, sides I guess of it. it. I, I can I can see I can definitely see that like if it's not balanced or at least being very close to even you know the first time or the first couple of times that you play you're gonna you're gonna chuck it and be like oh if one side always wins um maybe you know maybe you're not gonna play that game again you're like this game is unbalanced or maybe the game is just so fun you don't even mind that it's a little bit unbalanced yeah I don't know well and I wonder I, mean, I do think in a two player dueling game with asymmetric powers that and and this can be any two-player game like even if the game is meant for two plus it doesn't matter if it's if you're playing two players and you're not starting from the same starting point balance matters a lot in that situation um miles says balance means that if the skill of the player is removed the mechanics of the teams or sides do not create an unwinnable situation for the other side um or at least I would I would not say necessarily unwinnable, but a statistically skewed win rate for one side or the other. And I think that that, in a nutshell, that's pretty easy to say that's what you're aiming for. But now here's the question. Well, now I think in a two-player game, I, I don't want to... I do think balance matters in a two-player game. Um, but let's switch over to a three-plus player game. So Twilight Imperium. Um this there's now 24 factions i think are they all balanced i would say it's probably impossible for them to be some of them are just naturally going to be a little bit better than others uh some of them are maybe more or less balanced because they're easier to utilize their particular special abilities uh which is a different kind it's like that's the difficulty question or it's a difficulty level which darren mentions but in general if you're playing a six-player game of Twilight Imperium, how important is it that the powers be closely balanced? Well, I, I mean, you said closely balanced. I think it's somewhat important that the powers are closely uh, balanced because, I don't know, like in a two-player game or in a six-player game, if one person has, like, you know, the nuke everyone ability... Like, you're like, this isn't fair. <laughs> like, you just get to nuke everyone again. Like, yeah. every turn, I hit the nuke everyone button. Like, n- no one wants to play that game. Or, like, that that faction gets quickly banned. Like, you can play any faction except the one that with a nuke everyone ability. Because it's not fun to play against that. Yeah, I would say grossly unbalanced is going to break things every time. For sure. So, if I have the nuke me, so, nuke you button, then, yeah, we're we're pretty far off. But what about the, the faction that is... It is the strongest at the table right now. And and it could just be because of the mix of things, right? You know, I pick faction A and then, you know, E, F, and G get picked on the other ones. But when A is in the same game as E, F, and G, it becomes more important. In that space, yeah. like, it's, it's really difficult to balance. Because now you're not just balancing one faction against one other. You're balancing one faction against every combination of five other factions that you're putting yeah, in the of, game. Of, of all other factions, yeah. And maybe there's scenarios that like some some players or factions special ability can be like neutralized by like another ones or it's not as big of a deal or, you know, maybe some factions have go for like more of an economic or like political win as opposed to like a total like annihilation win. Right. And it's hard to account for all that. Now, I will say in situations where you have a group of people, though, I would argue that balance isn't as important. And this is my rationale. If we're playing six players, Twilight Imperium, and you are playing the war faction, and you start with a war sun, and the rest of us are playing factions that are, you know, far more peaceful and, you know, more trade and whatnot oriented. Um, Twilight Imperium is a bad example for this because it's really not about fighting, but we're going to use it anyway. Um, and you are just clearly the, the brute at the table. It is in the interest of the other players to keep you in check. So even though you might have the most powerful ability at the table, because everyone else has free reign to decide who they're going to ignore and who they're going to you know, try to hinder, 
it's a naturally balancing effect that that happens and i see this a lot in multiplayer games um yeah, so what do you like think about that the world <laughs> yes exactly i mean that it, it makes it makes total sense right like um that kind of thing is 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 fine i i would say like that is you know that is part of the game right like if you come in there with like you know i'm the war faction i'm the strongest one i have the strongest tr- ships and i have the biggest guns and there's really no other um you know faction that you're playing against that can like stand toe to toe with you then the other ones basically are just like all right well you know i'm i'm trade or politics and you know i'm just going to have to politic my way out of this and just try to ignore you and like hope that if you pick on me like it's an opening for another player to to harm you to put you back in check exactly. i'm not going to trade with you yeah, if, and, and, if you if you go after me yep and and i like i say it's one of those things where i think <laughs> i'm picturing a game we played up ti4 um where one faction was like the war faction and the rest of us were adjacent to him. And we're like, um, I'm not, I just don't want to anger you. Oh, you want to go to that system? Sure. No problem. I, I won't go there. You know, just like, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do and appease you until I'm able to build up enough where I can actually turn and then come at you. So because there's negotiation in that game and agency to kind of go wherever you want and allow people to do things, it's self-balancing, even if the powers themselves aren't exactly even. And when Twilight Imperium, they just recently released an expansion, or at least a couple months ago, um, they didn't bother nerfing any of the races all that much. I don't actually know that they did any. What they did was say, hey, these abilities, these cars, these technologies, they're not being used all that much in you know games that are being reported. So we're going to replace those with things that are cooler. And what they did is they just made you know unused stuff more usable. And that was how mm. they balanced things. And I think that's a, a really good way of balancing it because it makes it interesting as well. And I think a fully yeah. balanced game is not interesting. You know, a comp- I don't know about that. Um, I think that a fully balanced game can become less interesting faster than something that has a little bit of variability in it. At least, again, talking at the multiplayer level, not at the dueling level. Not talking chess, talking, you know, Chinese checkers. Who plays Chinese checkers? Nobody. Why? Because it's fully balanced with six players and it is incredibly boring, right? But, I guess. But I've like never, something I haven't played that much Chinese checkers, but okay. <laughs> well, either have I, but I just it's the it's the one game where I'm like, okay, open information, you know, very everything's deterministic. But when you look at Scythe, Scythe is it does a decent job at being balanced, it tries, but there are combinations of player boards and faction boards that don't balance. And it's up to the players to keep those types of things in check and like realize, hey, this person has a runaway strategy that we have to stop them on. Otherwise, we're all going to lose. So if we don't work together on this, you know, so it becomes self-balancing and becomes interesting because of that. You can't have a like, okay, this is my strategy and it's always going to work. Because if I play against you in Scythe and you use a strategy and it just blows us all away, and we play the same game again, and you try using that same strategy again, I don't think you get away with it, right? Yeah, prob- probably not, no. And so, in a way, that's self-balancing when you have multiple people able to say, no, we're not going to let you you know, just keep getting combat stars over and over and over, because we're actually just going to build up a wall and you know destroy your army before you can actually use it against them. Yeah, but that's... I mean, that's a little bit different because that's on like a repeated play, not the same play. So that's just kind of like a learning thing. Like, yeah. oh, this person discovered a good strategy. Well, I need to counter this strategy next time this person plays. I mean, that's a good point. But now we're talking about not necessarily balance, but ease of play on the different factions. So if we're talking first play, now we're looking at different factions where the first time you play it, it's, you know, easy. And, but or a particular faction's easier or harder. And so if you play the very first time and you only use that as an example, the person who gets the harder faction is going to lose. It's going to feel unbalanced to them. Um, Twilight Imperium, not Twilight Imperium, Dune Imperium uh, is an amazing game. If you people haven't played Dune Imperium, just go go buy it. Go play it. Just do it. It's so good. And it, it plays solo to four people. It's it's going to win best of 2020, I, I, 
I'm sure of it, at least on some list. But one of the things it does, it says <laughs> these particular characters that you can <laughs> Yeah. These particular characters that you're playing, these are the easy ones, these are the medium ones, and these are the hard ones. And it kind of gives you Cosmic Encounter does this too. But it basically gives you and so does um too many bones, but we'll get back to that one in a second. But it gives you kind of a place to start. When you're first starting out, use these characters because there's no real nuance to them. They're going to give you something that's straightforward and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be effective. The more complicated characters are difficult to play because if you've never played the game before, you don't actually understand how their powers work from the beginning. And by the time you figure it out, it's too late to utilize them. So in that regard, if I just suddenly say, hey. Or or, Or like the powers are really nuanced. I've played games before. It's like, I don't really understand. Like this guy's power is that he gets, you know, you know. Every once in a while, he gets a plus five to attack. And it's like, okay, that's straightforward. I know when to use that. Like when I'm attacking and I want to do a lot of damage. But it's like, my guy's power is that when I look sideways and I talk to this one guy, like (laughs) I get, I get to draw two cards when I negotiate instead of one. And it's like, okay, I I don't really understand why this is useful or like how this is powerful. (laughs) Yep. And you can't take advantage of it at the beginning. Also, you basically just like describe two of the Dune Imperium characters sort of you know there's one character that at the beginning of the game you have to choose two factions that you want to get like a hidden alliance with or a hidden you know basically uh whatever they call it you want to step up in their alliance favor and if you've never played the game before you're like uh why i don't know i mean you're just going to randomly pick two of them which doesn't really make that power effective after you've played a couple times, you look at him like, oh, all right, I'm going to do this. And then on turn four, I'm going to reveal this. And then I'm going to bounce up in these two tracks. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to get like three points in one turn. You only need 10 points to win the game. But that's not something you could do on a first playthrough for that. Yeah. When you don't really understand what you're doing, you're like, uh, I'll pick this one and this one. I hope this works out. Exactly. All right. So let's switch over to, I'm going to save co-ops for last because I think uh, the, co- the co-op balance is the thing that's really got me into this it, it'll become a rant I, I promise you but um first i want to go into um back actually back into two-player games but specifically into construction deck construction games so magic the gathering pokemon um Yu-Gi-Oh, but nobody should play that it's not a good game um <laughs> but, so those types of games where you're building and actually, this even goes to um, any of your like uh, Warhammer things or X-Wing or anything that where you're, you're creating a team and then you're taking that team against someone else. But during the game, there are random elements. So in Magic the Gathering, you could just draw poorly and you're going to lose. Or you could draw amazing and you're going to do really, really well, right? So what I'm wondering is, how do you feel balance works in these kinds of games like are they balanced do they need to be balanced how do you how would you definitely not balanced okay elaborate um i mean okay so i guess they're balanced in some way where it's like you know you have a set number of cards that you have to you have to like follow the rules of deck building so they're like they're balanced in that way but they're not balanced that there's no like power level kind of like overall power level for your deck that you have to like hit a minimum or maximum to because you can build a really poor deck and then your deck is a handicap deck like it is very hard to win with that deck yeah or you can have a really really good deck and it becomes much easier to win with that deck and you never need so, to build your own deck because you could just get a list from the internet and go that's true. with that deck which i have found i i have softened over time with net decking, I actually don't think it's a bad thing anymore. I think it's probably a good thing. Because I hate building decks, but I like these games. So now I can just go online and say, oh, here's a deck that I think looks fun for me to play. And I'm just going to build here's that. Here's the meta strategy. It. Yeah. And yeah. then I'll, I'll tweak it if I want to tweak it. But I'm looking for a deck that matches my play style and will be fun, but is not something that I have to, like, you know, look at 10,000 cards in the case of Magic 
to do. Now, John mentions um, for these types of games that draft is balanced. And draft for these types of games are essentially, um, I don't know that X-Wings has a draft, but a lot of the card games do, where everyone basically you get a, a hand of cards. You're going to pick one, pass, pick one, pass, pick one, pass. And you're going to keep doing that usually three times. And then you're going to build a deck out of the cards that you are left with. Um, there's a lots of different card games and all of them do draft in, you know, slightly different ways, but essentially that's the idea behind it. What it does, I don't know that this actually balances anything, but it, what it does is it removes the money aspect of the game. So you can argue that ma- magic isn't balanced because if you can't afford the premium deck, you're always going to not have a premium deck. Um, now the people who own premium decks will say, well, that's fine, but I am a better pilot of this deck than someone else that would have it. Therefore, I am still better at the game than you, even if we're using the same deck. I I have a hard time saying either one is wrong or right, but I do think magic is 100%, now 99.99999% completely and utterly <sighs> balanced. And the reason for that is because there are so many different ways to do things that if you take in the fact that you're building your deck as part of the game, everyone has the same options, given that everyone has the same budget. Again, not really, really about the pay-to-play, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's a big one right there. Yeah. Everyone but has if, the same budget. Yeah. People don't you, have the same budget. Well, sure, sure. And, and there are certain games. I mean, the whole concept of pay-to-play, or pay-to-win, actually. Not pay-to-play, because everyone... In general, you're paying to play games, but pay to win. That's a whole separate thing. And we have we done a podcast on that? I think we have actually. Um, I think that's a little different. If you if you take that money thing into consideration, you know, that money thing. Um you know, just that little thing. Yeah. Then you get into the whole political sphere of, you know, is you know, is basically money making it the whole world unbalanced. Not going to get there. We're we're just focused at everyone has access to all the cards. And that's, in theory, you would, even as a Magic player, if you want to build a specific deck in a, pati- a particular format, you don't have to buy in or buy masses of cards. You can buy individual cards and still do it within a, you know, a collectible card game budget, which let's be honest, People who are into collectible card games at the competitive level are dropping a grand on every set that comes out. So it's not unreasonable yeah, to say, well, you have to spend a couple hundred dollars to be competitive in that particular atmosphere. Yeah, but I mean, I would say that will a beginner be competitive with, you know, like a beginner deck? No. No, they won't be. No, no. And But I would mean, a beginner be competitive with the exact same deck. So you and I both have the exact same deck. And w- at that point, it doesn't really matter. The person who's more experienced will win far more often. The person who has the more skill will win far more often. And that, to me, yes. feels balanced. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I-, I guess the question is, will an expert with a beginner deck, are they as competitive as an expert with, you know, an expert level deck? No, they're not. No. They're not. And the expert level decks are hard to play. Luke asks a really great question. Um, if magic is balanced, why do they play best of three? A bad player can win over a good one due to luck. That is exactly why they play best of three, though. So yeah. if magic because was a the draw of the one play, then you know, best of one, then luck would be a bigger factor than skill. Two out of three allows luck to be essentially mitigated um you can still have bad luck multiple times in a row that's for certainly possible but it means that one bad draw isn't going to eliminate you you can come back um and magic games play fast enough where you know two out of three is good keyforge actually has this problem hugely a keyforge game will take about 45 minutes to play anywhere from like 30 to 45 minutes so you can't do best of three so it is highly subjected to variants. Now, Keyforge is not balanced at all. I will go on record of saying I love Keyforge. It's probably my favorite dueling game of this sort because there's no deck building and I just love the idea of, you know, playing these random decks, but these decks are not balanced. Like on purpose. They are randomly generated and yeah. some decks are just horrible and some decks are just awesome. And I think part the of the very f- first deck you gave me was not a good deck. <laughs> I don't Someone know if you remember that. Decks. 
Yeah. You're like, here you go. Here's a deck. And I, and I started playing it and it was like, yeah, this is not good. Yep. But now I wonder, like, does it matter that the decks are so grossly unbalanced? Because the community, uh, John says, just that's just because I wanted to win. I actually did not play in that. I, I held a 16 person tournament of Keyforge with just my friends that I ran and did not play in. But we, it was an after hours at a game store. Um, yep. But I'm wondering. I was there. Yep. Um, but I'm wondering with Keyforge, does it matter that they're not balanced? Because the community has taken it upon themselves to create different types of events that get rid of the, I just opened the killer deck, so therefore you are, you know, I'm going to beat everyone. And the game itself even has like chains built in. So if a deck wins too many times in a certain type of format, it becomes more and more um, handicapped playing against other decks. Um, there's other tournament types where it's like okay we have sas caps sas is a is a third party way of ranking decks it's like we're not allowing any deck that ranks higher than a a on this tournament like you can't have a plus decks it's just or maybe we're doing b and c decks or whatever the case is so that you have your range of decks is narrower and honestly most if you take out the top 10 percent and the bottom 10 percent of keyforge decks that middle 80 percent is relatively balanced against each other. They will actually play really well against each other. It's those extremes that become problematic. So the community's figured out a way of saying, hey, we're going to rule those out of certain events. Not all events, but, you know, actually most, not most events, but some of them are like, no, 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 we're just going to do this middle ground here. Again, a situation where if balance doesn't exist, players will try to make it happen to make the game fun, because that's what they want to do. All right. Yeah, you want to make it fun for everybody, not just the one person that just wins all yes. the time. <laughs> yep, you open the best deck, and nobody wants to play you because it's just not fun to play against. And and I, I have decks like that. I have decks that I've retire, retired specifically because I know they are miserable to play against, even though I will win 95% of the time. It is not enjoyable. I won't play them in a casual atmosphere. I might play them in a competitive atmosphere, Um because, you know, every once in a while I like beating good players. Because you want to win. Because um, <laughs> I want to win. Um, but and if I'm going to a tournament, I'm going to bring, you know, the thing that's going to win. But in a casual atmosphere, I'm just going to, I want to play the things that are fun. All right. Anything else to say on competitive balance? Uh, I don't think so. All right. I covered that. Now we're going to go to co-op balance. And this is what actually triggered this. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had gotten Bloodborne the board game. And it is a one to four player uh, co-op game. And if you're playing a single character, it can be brutally hard. The game is just much, much harder with one character versus two. So if you're playing solo, it is recommended by the community that you use two characters because that kind of mitigates the randomness and gives you more actions. Well, someone posted, hey, I was thinking a way of making it viable for a single player to go through this is to draw four cards instead of three at the beginning of your turn. And you need to know a little bit about Blood Rage. Um, Blood Rage, actually, one of the coolest things Bloodborne? about it, Bloodborne, sorry, Bloodborne, is at the beginning, there's, it's a minor deck construction game. So you have 12 cards and you'll always have 12 cards. Those 12 cards, you draw three at the beginning of your turn and you can take actions, move, attack, blah, 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 whatever you want by discarding one of those cards. If you're fighting, then the card will actually have some kind of effect on combat. You can upgrade those cards, and sometimes you know the upgrade will let you get a benefit for other actions as well. But essentially, those three cards are the equivalent of your three action points. And how you use that action point will vary based on what the card says. This is all fine. This is great. It's super fun and super like how am i going to utilize this to to maximize you know my actions and make sure everything you know works the way i want it to but i only get three cards to begin my turn when you're playing a two-player game you're going to have six actions at the beginning you know basically you're going to have six actions now the monsters go at the end of every player's turn so there is that standard co-op scaling thing where i go monsters go i go monsters go so it shouldn't matter if there's only one person you're doing three actions but there's a timer track in the game that will advance fairly quickly with one player but it doesn't advance as quickly with two players so what i'm saying here is as a single player i may take two turns before the track advances as multiplayer we still will take two turns before the track advances but we got 12 actions in that 
two turns versus the t- six actions we would have got the one, right? All right. So that's the premise of this. Yeah. So the, the proposal was, well, what if as a single player, I drew four cards instead of just three? So I get one additional action. And the boards just went crazy with how unbalanced that would be. And I'm fairly certain I might have replied. Sometimes I don't engage in these kinds of arguments because my reply would, if I did reply, it was something along the lines of, it's a co-op game. There's no such thing as balance. This isn't a balance question. This is a difficulty question. Co-op games that don't have difficulty scaling, simply, if, if you make it easier because you've changed the balance or whatever, all you've done is introduce your own difficulty scaling to the game. And in this particular game, there really isn't a meaningful way of scaling difficulty. You can scale it up, but you really can't scale it down. So my question to you, Fletcher, and you can use Gloomhaven as an example, and because you know, that's also a good um, one to think about, is... Is there a such thing as balance in a co-op game? Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of like, it, since you're not playing against the other players, the only balance is, is this game way too difficult to beat or way too easy to win? Is it, I guess, you know, fun to play is, is a different question. But like, Some people you can imagine it- Pandemic, right? Yep. You can imagine Pandemic. And what if there's only one Outbreak card in the deck? Right, like if it's that not was how the game was designed, that would probably it would be a very easy game to win. <laughs> yeah, it would not be a problem. Um, but if it had twenty two outbreak cards in the deck, you would just lose instantly. That would not be fun. So, in terms of balance for a co op game, it's like how easy is how how can you beat the game? How easy it is? How easy is it to beat the game? Is there enough challenge there, but not too challenging? I, exactly that this and, and pandemic's a good example of this. So let's imagine that we have the five outbreak cards in our deck. I think five is the step up uh, from easy, right? Uh, I forget. Yeah, whatever yeah, the case sure, is. Let's imagine that you have X yeah. number of cards. Now there is a combination of four characters. So we have all the expansions. So we have all the extra characters. There's four characters that if we use those four characters, we basically know what they should do, how they should act. Those abilities synergize together very well. And what we've done is, you know, we are playing this game in an optimal way. It's a puzzle. We're solving it. Now, let's say that we're not allowed to use those four characters. And we have to use the four characters with the least efficient abilities or the least, you know, advantageous to us. Have we changed the balance of the game? No. We haven't changed the balance of the game. We've changed the difficulty of the game by using characters that are not as efficient in what we're trying to do. That's my thing. Now, if I say that I don't like this character's ability, and I don't know the pandemic abilities well enough, but if I say I don't like this character's ability, so I post on the Board Game Geek forums, and this is really where it all comes down. Don't talk to the internet. The internet's going to shoot you. But if I talk to the internet and say, I'm going to modify this character so it's not lame ability A, but it's pretty cool ability B, the internet is going to tell me that's going to unbalance that character. In reality, I say it doesn't unbalance the character. It changes the difficulty of that character in this co-op game. Am I wrong on this? And you can say Is yes. It, It'll be more interesting podcast if you say yes. I, I mean, I want to... Uh, I'm not... You're not wrong so much, but I feel like you're just saying like the same thing, but different. Like, I'm not changing the balance. I'm changing the difficulty. I mean, I think that's what people mean when they say balance. Okay, well, let's take it, let's look at Gloomhaven for a second, because there is a house rule that we ruled in. I think, I don't know that it's an uncommon house rule either. Um, you've played enough Gloomhaven to know how summons work, right? Uh, summons, yes. Uh huh. So, summons, for those who haven't played, if you have never played Gloomhaven, um, you can summon characters to the board, but your character does not control the summons. The summons follow monster movement and AI rules when it's yeah. their yeah, turn to go. Monster AI is yeah. basically what they do. This is a ridiculous rule. Sorry, Isaac, it is. It is a ridiculous rule. It is so, so lame. So we changed it. If it's if you summoned it, you control it. End of story. It didn't break the game. It didn't make the game so easy that, you know, we couldn't, you know, it's like, oh, well, we're just winning everything and this is just a pushover game. Like that none of that happened. We just changed it to say this was more fun. 
And I have seen very long threads about how, you know, you can't do that because there's a certain class that if you did that, that class would be super overpowered and unbalanced. Well, great. That's okay. Because there's a lot of different classes in Gloomhaven. Some of them are more straightforward than others. Some of them are stronger than others. It is okay that if you change a rule so it's more fun for your playgroup, and I'm not saying everyone needs to do this, that makes a class a little bit better, it doesn't unbalance it. It just changes the difficulty to something that your group wants to play. Am I right or am I right? Or am I right? I mean, (laughs) again, you, you... It's like you, you, you keep saying, it doesn't change the balance. It changes the difficulty. I feel like that's kind of the same thing. That's what they mean by balance is, is difficulty. <sighs> I don't making know. the game easier or harder, but usually easier. So you're saying that there is, is there, mm-hmm. it's, so balance and difficulty are the same thing in a co-op game. Yes. All right. I might agree with you in this. Um, you have not played too many bones, correct? I haven't. I haven't, no. All right. Um, I'm trying to think. Actually, Too Many Bones and Spirit Island. I'm going to throw both of these out there for a moment. Um, Both of these games, when you play the characters, the characters have a difficulty rating associated with them. And for the longest time, I looked at this difficulty rating as something that was telling me that the character was hard to learn or hard to play, but it was still, quote unquote, balanced to the other characters. Recently, and I mean literally within the last three weeks, I don't think that is correct anymore. I feel that the difficulty rating in Spirit Island and and um, Too Many Bones is not those characters' like learning level, what it would take to learn how to master these characters, but literally how hard they are to play and win the game. Therefore, those characters are the way of modifying the difficulty in these games. So if I play a very difficult character in Too Many Bones, this character is just inherently weaker in some aspect, usually at the beginning of the game, and it takes they're, quite some time to They're a handicapped character. <sighs> yes. They're, they're like the wizard in first edition D&D. Is, yeah. you know, so at the beginning, these characters are incredibly fragile. If you can get past that, then these characters become... Awesome. But more oh, okay. often than not, you're just going to die ramp right is up pretty front. steep. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I see. And th- like Spirit Island is kind of the same way where these really complicated characters at the beginning, they just are really, really hard to keep alive. But if you, you manage to get past that part, then they ramp into being like, okay, now I got it. Now it's actually almost easy at the end because I it's made easier it easier now. Yeah. It's easier than these characters that are kind of like, you know, straight through, you know, the the fighter of, of the co-op game. Yeah. And I don't think I mind this. And I think actually thinking about it this way makes these games and those characters that I'm just like, I can't figure this out. Urgh, why am I an idiot? Because I don't know how to play this character. No. When you play this character, you are ramping the difficulty. And if you understand that, you... It's easier to say, okay, I am making this game harder for myself on purpose because I want that challenge. Also, this character just looks really cool and it's interesting and I was it's fun to play, so I'm gonna do it. Right. So Um Go ahead. No, 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 finish go ahead. No, finish your thought. Well, so essentially this goes back to agreeing with you that I think in a co-op game, balance and difficulty are the exact same thing. And when you're talking about balance, in a co-op game, you should really just simply say, well, that's an interesting change. It would change the difficulty of the game. It would make it easier or harder or whatever the case. It does not break the balance of the game. Uh, I mean, again, I think you're, it's like the same, you're, you're, you're saying like the same thing. You're like, it doesn't break the balance of, so what would be breaking the balance of the game then? Well, actually, Darren just mentioned something that, it basically does the same thing that you, the same question you asked, but he asked it better. Um, thanks, Darren. No help to you, Fletcher. <laughs> uh, he, he says, I think of it as balance is the strength of each character as compared to each other. Difficulty is the ease of all of the characters together versus the AI of the game. Um, I would say that I agree with both of those things, but not at the same time. I would say balance is the strength of the characters as compared to each other. So, if we're looking at Pandemic, 
and saying the different player powers in Pandemic or, you know, Gloomhaven. You're looking at the different classes in Gloomhaven or, you know, the different roles in Too Many Bones. If you compare them side by side, how balanced are those characters? I think that is a viable, not a, it's a valid thing to compare. Now, ease of all the characters together versus the AI being um, the difficulty, that it sort of stems from if, if you say that the characters aren't balanced and, you know, I've played enough Pandemic where I will say those characters are not balanced. Some characters are just have more niche abilities than others. So if you take at, you know, these characters aren't balanced, you just take that as, you know, fact in most cases um, when we're talking about specific games, then the difficulty will scale based on what unbalanced character you choose. Now, if all the characters are balanced, then the difficulty doesn't change depending on those characters. Now, something like Too Many Bones, though, something like... I, mean, I keep going to pack that pandemic because there are combinations of characters that make that game incredibly difficult. But if you take those odd, like those combinations, I don't think that you're going to find that those games are balanced in their asymmetric character powers. Gloomhaven's a little bit trickier. So, that one, I he actually did a really good job balancing those characters. I, I can't say that those characters are unbalanced against each other. But So what you're saying is, in a game like Pandemic, if you were to unbalance a game, you would what? I'm saying that change the- different party compositions in Pandemic are not balanced against each other. So if you choose a party composition that is not... But what do you mean against each other? Because it's a co-op game. No, no, no. I'm so, so if you take, like, all right, we're going to take the Medic and the Dispatcher, and those are the only ones that I know of, because if you have those two characters in your game, it's going to be yeah. a little bit easier. If you don't have those two characters in your game, it's going to be a little bit harder. And there will be people who are Masters of Pandemic that will disagree with me, and I 100% agree with you that... You can disagree with me. But for newer players or players that don't play this inside and out, you're going to see that type of thing. Um, and, and you know, Jesse So that is unbalancing is like unbalancing is a because uh, I'm trying to nail down your definition of what you think like uh, unbalanced versus, um, you know, difficulty. Essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. Essentially what I'm saying is the balance between your starting character set so is it possible in pandemic between what in pandemic so you have 16 different characters that you can choose in pandemic and you're going to choose four of them is every four exactly the same in how difficult the game is going to be but isn't that just difficulty again well well hold on but that's the thing don't worry about the game itself i'm just saying if those four are you know every combination of four if they're not all going to lead you to the same difficulty, then between those groups of characters, you can you can say those characters are unbalanced. Now, once you start playing, you have just chosen a difficult set or an easy set, right? If I choose the four characters that I know inside and out, and I know that their powers are work exactly for what my end goals are, that's going to be an easier game than if I pick the four characters that are you know bottom of the barrel type of characters. That will so change. So then, the what's difficulty. the difference between balance? and and uh difficulty then because you you mentioned before like oh i'm going to change this one character's lame ability and make it into awesome ability i don't think there is i don't that's that's my point though i think so i'm kind of going back on in a co-op game balance and difficulty are essentially the same thing once you're playing it but when you're choosing how to approach that co-op game if you have many options and those options aren't all going to lead to the same difficulty, then you can say that those options are unbalanced. Okay. It so still then it ends in, in a difficulty situation at the end, but okay. That's where I think you can I'm, talk. I'm about on, balance. I'm on board. I'm on, I'm on board with all that. I mean, that that's fine. Cause they're basically, you know, synonyms for each other. What is what you're saying on, right. on a, um, a co-op game, but then in a multiplayer game, uh, I'm not sure what the difference is there. Balance so a, versus difficulty. Oh, I, in a multiplayer game, I think that balance is just balance. And I think that it's not a matter of difficulty. Now, you can choose, like, you know, if go to the TI4. But isn't balance also difficulty? If I play super it, weak character against three strong characters, I'm probably not going to win. It That's is. difficulty for me. It is. But when you're talking, 
I, I mean, yes, it is difficult for you to play against those other three characters. But at the same time, there are three more characters in the game to help self-balance in general. Like, if I'm playing the faction that only wins if I get Mechatol Rex in TI4, it is vastly underpowered across everything else. I'm likely going to be left alone in that game. They're not going to let me take Mechatol Rex, but I'm also not going to worry about them. They're, they're not paying attention to me. So it might give me an edge. I'm playing the weakest faction, but I have the edge because I'm being ignored. So I think when you're talking multiplayer... They tend to multiplayer tends to balance itself with experienced playgroups, not with unexperienced playgroups. New playgroups, you're still, yeah, you're screwed. You took a faction, you're going to lose no matter what. Um, but with experienced playgroups, I think that you can that balance tends to be less of an issue. Okay, I still think you're using balance and difficulty as synonym, synonyms. They're in interchangeable. A game. Well, like I say in a multiplayer game. Well, so in a multiplayer game, they're not. Well, I don't know. In a multiplayer game, I just don't think this it is the matters. whole thing because you were talking about balance and difficulty, and I was like, these seem like the same thing. You yeah, seem to be picking nits. I think of what you're talking about is that when you're talking about a multiplayer game, you're talking about difficulty in a slightly different way. Uh, when you're talking co-op, it's difficulty to win or lose the game against the AI. When you're talking multiplayer, it's difficulty to win against other players, but there's more involved in that. So, I mean, yes. It's still, if you choose an, a weak faction, it's going to be harder for you to win. So, 100%, yeah. I just, I agree with you there. I just don't know that it matters as much in a multiplayer game. It matters a lot in a dueling game. I just don't know that in a multiplayer game, just don't pick that faction. And if that faction's really I mean, that bad, just <laughs> remove it from the options. That's another, actually, I, don't I mean. Don't pick that faction, noob. Get yeah, better. exactly. Why would you do that? Just because it looks cool. Why and would you do that? Like, matches you. You're just, that's so dumb. You're so bad at this yeah. game, <laughs> newbie. All right. So, yeah. I just wanted to vent about the fact that co-op games don't have balance. That's all. None of these games have balance, apparently. <laughs> it's all difficulty. Difficulty and balance are, are synonyms for each other when talking about these games. That's basically what you've talked yourself into. Not you try to wiggle out of. I'm, I'm still trying to wiggle out of it. I think that <laughs> I think that balance and difficulty are a hundred percent synonyms with co-ops, and they're less of a synonym with multiplayer games. And difficulty and balance are totally because... different in. A dual player game. But again, you're, what you're basically saying is if a game is unbalanced and you pick the, the side that's weaker, then it's going to be harder for you. Yes, I'm, that's not that's obvious. That's I'm not arguing that when you're playing two players, though, difficulty is not in the equation. It is simply a head to head match and you're playing against your opponent. Right. It's not a, it's like how difficult it is it to beat you, Fletcher. Pretty easy. I'm just going to take a baseball bat and hit you over the head with it. Boom. Done. I win the game. <laughs> But that's... I don't like this game. <laughs> it's a terrible game. But it's that's not... Like, difficulty doesn't come into the head-to-head. It's... You want that particular thing where it's not difficult. It's not more difficult than one person versus the other. So balance and difficulty, I guess they are exactly the same thing. But you want the difficulty <laughs> for both players to be the same. Thank you. <laughs> In a co-op game, sometimes you want the game to be more difficult because it's more fun, or you want it to be easier because it's more fun. In that case, the co-op yes. game, you want difficulty to be able to be varied. The closer yes. you get to competitive, the less you want difficulty to be a thing in the game that is different between players. Yes, I would agree. Like chess, it's perfect, you know. No, no, no. In chess, white wins more often than, than black. It's just because well, they get to go first. They get to go first. Yeah, but like it's almost as balanced as a game could possibly be. Almost, it's, it's almost yes, it's true. Okay, all right, we've talked in a big circle. Kitty will be back next week, hopefully. <laughs> she will settle this. <laughs> she will sell it. She will listen Except to I this. I think you agreed with me in the end. Um, I don't know what I agreed with. I don't know. Why I agree with myself, to be completely honest. All I know well, is it sounded like games, you're agreeing with me, so I'm going to take that as a win. Co-op games don't have balance; they just have difficulty. Unless you're, thing. unless you're comparing characters against each other, then they're balanced or not balanced. Oh, God. We got to end this. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. How's that? That's that's my segue. I'm, I'm very good at this. Um, 
You can follow us on social media. Honestly, just follow me on Twitter because as much as I want to be active on Facebook, every time I go on Facebook, it confuses me because 20 minutes ago, it was different and now it's different today. But I'm on Twitter and if you want to follow me there, then you can tweet at me. I, I That's the fastest way to get a hold of me. Game Master Chris on Twitter. Links in the show notes. Um, listen to us live. It's also in the show notes. There's a link. But Monday's at 8.30. Come and join us. Uh, you get to talk to us before and after. And for the group that's still with us, um, they get to tell me how wrong I am after we're done with the questions. Uh, you can also email us at feedback at Don't forget that if you want to enter our contest, also that's the email address to use there. Uh, hosting fees and giveaways sponsored by our patrons. Basically, this entire year is sponsored by patrons. Everything's sponsored by our patrons. So if you want to be a part of that, go to patreon.com, search for Tabletop Game Talk. Or you can go to table.gametalk.com slash Patreon. Either one will get you there. Um, that was... As I don't read the script. Kitty reads the script. I don't read it. So, Fletcher, now it's your turn. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Tim Tam Slam Clark, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miller, Sean Peck, Chris Redong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Ganikowski, David Sellers, David Ratke, Mike, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds... Christopher Litko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keefe, Paul Reamer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Joke, David Rank, David Wong, Jerry, Jerry Wong, I changed your name, uh, C. Marie, <laughs> Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Tong, Basil Flintham, Eric Slander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Sahara Wentworth, Lightning Steve, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, and Ronald Roy. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Also, thank you to all of our patrons, and seriously, all very cool. Okay, Fletcher. Just you and me. Yes. Let's talk D&D for a second. You okay. you guys went back into the dungeon and started being able to kill things. Heck if you yeah, had Yes. So just to give a quick update to everyone else, we've got, now gone into level 1 of the mega dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um I will say this module, the dungeon of the Mad Mage is terrible um in all ways, but the dungeon levels themselves are interesting. There's just no level for no reason for anyone to be there. So I've created a reason for people to be there. So Fletcher, I have two questions for you. One, mm -hmm. do you feel like you have a reason to be in this dungeon? Besides my own wanting to just like go in a dungeon crawl, um, <laughs> kind of like the main protagonist character that we're supposed to be protecting really wants to go down there. So it kind of feels like we should go down there with her. Um, and beyond that, it seems like answers lie that way, kind of, because it's been presented to us that way. So it's like, here's this giant portal to this, you know, dungeon that you should probably go into. That's been like laid of out that way for us. Yeah, the dungeon of answers. So <laughs> you probably want to go this way. It's like the Las Vegas sign that says like this way <laughs> for answers. <laughs> now, every once in a while, um, DMs and players should have conversations about how things are going. So I'm going to ask you one question and maybe I'll ask Kitty a question next week. But what could I do, if anything, and you can say nothing, that would make the game more fun and or interesting for you and or your character in general? If you had your one wish, what would it be? And it's fine to just say, Chris, you're an amazing GM. Honestly, just give me a level and I'm cool. <laughs> um, I don't know if I like really need anything or like really want anything right now like i'm happy to just like crawl through a dungeon and like be the rogue that searches for traps and then you know backstabs all the time like that's that's my role and that's what i want to do and uh, you know that's what i'm getting to do so that's good and you know even though uh, i was kind of like pseudo complaining about it but like we just kept on going down all these passages and every time we went down one passage it would like split off to like two different ways and we had to choose <laughs> left or right up or down north or south <laughs> east or west and i was just like oh come on like i wish it would just like lead like lead to somewhere with a big room with like answers or something and then we could backtrack and like go somewhere but it's like every time we ventured farther it like there was like two more branches that we could go down i was i just want to 
stop opening up routes for us to explore and just, <laughs> you know, start like, I don't know, filling in more of the map than we were just like uncovering more of the map. I love thing. that your your feedback is, I just wish there were rails and I was on a train and everyone should always stop. I don't I wish to that. Kill I don't wish that. I was just, I'll get I back on the train. <laughs> I don't. I don't really wish that. I was like, "Come on, really? Like now, two more pass, another two passages, and like here we go, another forty feet down the path." And it's like, "Oh, now you've uncovered another two passages to go." So it's like, pick. I, I was just like, "Man, I thought I thought we were like making some head, you know, headway, but we, we definitely were not." I feel like we have only explored maybe like maybe like a fifth of the dungeon, maybe. Well, and this is just the one level. There are twenty levels of this dungeon, and right, of this one level. Of <laughs> this one level, you've explored about um, maybe a little over half. But yeah, a little you over won't... half. Oh, okay, it, yeah, a little over half. It seems but, like it with all those passages that kept opening. I was like, oh my god, another one, <laughs> another one, another one. So, all right, well, this is good. This is good feedback, and I think I'm going to ask um, all of you. There's four of you. I'm going to ask all of you the same question, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get four different answers completely. So, uh, this is fun. All right, everyone, that is an episode. Um, Kitty will be back next week, and we will talk to you then.